welcome to the Core Stories podcast. I'm Becky Frazier, your host, and I have two very interesting guests with us today. So welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Um, so my name is Audra Chrysler. I am a sophomore at Harding University. I'm studying social work and leadership and ministry. I grew up at Otter Creek. My mom is one of the ministers here at Otter Creek, and we have just had a really exciting last semester, and we're very excited to share that all with you. And my name's Elijah Spears. Uh, I'm also a sophomore at Harding University, and uh, I'm a pre-med student, also minoring in medical missions, and I'm just very excited to be here and talk a little bit about our last semester. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened last semester? (laughs) Well... Well, we um, studied abroad in Zambia, Africa for about three months. Mm-hmm. We were um, just there staying at a place called Namuyanga Mission, and there were a total of 14 students mm-hmm. and, and staff and their families, and we just got to live life and make some amazing friends in Zambia for a while. We also got to travel to Rwanda and um, Tanzania while we were there. Mm-hmm. And we just got to, really our goal was to learn, um, learn about the culture, learn about people there, um, learn more about the Lord and about his creation. And so we got to do that through classes that we were taking from professors that had traveled with us. Um, But we also just got to do that by living life with local Zambians and being taught by them and sitting with them for hours and just we did a lot of different things with the people there yeah for sure it it definitely wasn't a mission trip Mm -hmm. per se some people might have or even describe it as that but it definitely wasn't a a mission trip we were definitely there as um, students just learning from all the people around us Um, it was mission-based we did learn some different mission techniques while we were there from long-term missionaries from Zambians from um, people in Tanzania and um, Rwanda learning different access ministries and stuff like that. But we were for sure just just students and and just living life with people all around us every day. And every day was so different, even though we kind of had sort of structure and and schedule, but we basically just just lived life in Zambia for three months, which was was pretty amazing. Mm So you said you were there um, not just for the mission part, but to learn as well. So what sorts of classes were you taking while you were there? So we were taking, we took a missionary anthropology class um, where we learned a lot about people and a little bit about the history of missions, but um, also what missions can look like now. And then we also took, um, or I took an Old Testament class um, taught by one of the professors that came with us. And Then we also really got to experience an African classroom because we had African professors from the nearby college come and teach us about Zambian history and really African history and culture. And um, we also had Tonga (laughs) classes, which is the language. Wow, yeah. And that that started at 6.30 every morning, So, uh, but that was taught by an African professor, So, which was really cool just to get to experience and learn like the differences in the way that they teach. And, um, yeah. So how was reading scripture in Africa? How was reading about the mm-hmm. Old Testament in Africa? Did that change the way 
that you viewed parts of the mm-hmm. Old Testament at all? For sure. You know, you read about famines or you read about people going to a well even, and then you are kind of living in that and experiencing that. Zambia was in one of the worst droughts it's that's ever been recorded. And so getting to live among the people who are hungry and then reading psalms about like lord like i'm hungry and i thirst for you and um for sure there's it makes it a little more real and a little more personal i would say yeah i definitely agree even just reading scripture too about agriculture Mm -hmm. and and shepherds and stuff and then you're walking down the road and someone comes by with um all their goats or, or 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 whatever and their cows and it just it's a definitely a much more agricultural-based um, economy. That's their main form of economic welfare, as well as just way of life. Like, mm-hmm. it's different in that aspect. And I, I mean, we have that here, but I feel like it just looks very different. But yes, like Audra said, just like wells and just such a relationship-oriented culture and talking to everyone you pass by. And also just, I think it helped me even look at the way people traveled like in the Bible like Mm -hmm. we walked pretty much everywhere every day and people would get up and have to walk two hours to get to their work Mm -hmm. and then they'd have to walk two hours back home at night and that was pretty pretty eye-opening and there was nothing bad with it it was nothing wrong with it it's just their way of life right um, which is just so drastically different than ours I remember we got the chance to go stay with some of our friends in the village for a couple nights. And obviously I I wore like chacos the whole time (laughs) and didn't really shower or didn't really bathe. Um, And at the end of those couple of days, my feet were just like, just so gross. And you could see like just dirt caked onto my feet. And I just thought like, this is what our Lord meals to wash like these are this is what the disciples feet looked like because they were walking as much as as we had and they were you know living life outside and so that's one way that just very tangible and then also one of my favorite moments was we got to walk to church one Sunday so it was like a two-hour walk and with them this choir that we had spent a lot of time with singing with and as soon as we got to the church, they all went to the well that was there to to clean and to get water. And, to, and so I just kind of followed them, and we pumped water for each other, and we were washing our feet, and we were drinking and taking turns. And I just thought, like, this is crazy that I get to experience this place and this moment that, like, how many times must Jesus have gone to the well and met people at the well and had conversations at the well. Mm-hmm. So for sure, it makes it much more like tangible and real. Yeah, because even even the wells were kind of a social mm-hmm. place too because everyone had to go there. Yeah. And so you'd always see people there. We There was a well probably 100 yards from where we were staying primarily our entire time at the um, Namwayanga Mission. And there was always people there and they were always people singing and dancing there because um, it was also a college there so it was a lot of people around our age and that was just really cool to see even just the social aspect of it because it is such a relationship oriented culture whereas ours is so scheduled in time and we have to 
do this and that and meet this deadline and that deadline, but their life just slows down so much mm-hmm. and it's about the person right next to you. And it was just so much about being with the people that w- were just around you, which was so cool. Elijah, you said earlier something about um, learning about different access ministries. Can you explain what an access ministry is? Yeah, so um, it's basically just a tactic used to minister to someone, but it's about meeting their more immediate need first. And so some of the access ministries we primarily studied were through agriculture as well as coffee ministry, which was really cool to learn about. We primarily studied coffee ministry in Tanzania and Rwanda. And it was about giving people a job first to, in order to meet their um, necessities. So they were being taught to brew coffee, to sell coffee, and you know, like what to sell with it as well. And through that, they were ministering to them, teaching them about scripture and the gospel and about Jesus. But first, it was about meeting their need. And it looked the same way with agriculture too and teaching people how to plant seed what seed to plant how to harvest and and that kind of stuff as well thank you so what did an average day look like I know you said earlier that (laughs) day-to-day was always very different but what were some of the things that you did while you were there so the mornings were obviously classes started fairly early so we'd have like language class and then culture class and then we'd have breakfast all together on the back porch and then some more classes and then lunch and some days we were done by lunch and some days we weren't and then you kind of got to pick what you wanted to do they had a lot of opportunities for us so one of them was the havens which is this almost think like foster care home or temporary home for children of different ages It's not an orphanage because they work really hard to reintegrate the kids back into the villages or back with family members if they can. And so we got to go as much as we wanted. We would walk there and we would sit with these women who are called the aunties, the women who care for the babies there. Um, That's their job. And we just got to learn from them. We got to become friends with them and sing with them and sit with them and change diapers with them and learn about their lives and their families. And that's where a lot of my sort of strongest relationships happened. Also with the babies there, we were each like assigned sort of a baby just to like work through some things with like doing different physical therapy or or just watching for different things and so I got to be best friends with the baby um which is kind of crazy but I think it's the most time I've ever spent with someone that young and just getting to sit there with them and just do life with the aunties and the women there so that was one option yes um the havens were a pretty amazing place. I, I would call it a thin space. Like it was just, it's almost like a little heaven on earth kind of place. And getting to talk with and learn from the aunties was just absolutely amazing and so encouraging to me to see people do such diligent work every day for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so, so cool. And the aunties are who I primarily have like a relationship still with, like messaging through Facebook and 
sharing posts on my timeline and that kind of stuff. And it's just um, so cool to still be able to be in contact with him because they're just like a mother figure to me even. And, and to those kids, they're just so, so good and they work so hard to make sure their needs are met. And that time that they're at the Havens, they're their mother. And so when we came in, we were more of just, we were just a friend. Like mm-hmm. we, we, didn't, we didn't do anything um, but just learn and, and play with kids. And primarily I would say the kids were usually three or younger. And by that time they were moved back with their families, whatever that family looked like. It could have been an aunt or uncle or their parents, just depending on their certain situation. But I was partnered or paired with two girls, one girl primarily named Busigu and then another named Susha. And their aunties were just fantastic and it was so, so great to spend time with them. And one's named Being a Revelation, which means mother of and Revelation's her firstborn. And um, I call her Banene, which means grandmother in Chitanga. And she's just become one of my favorite people of all time and such an influential person. But getting to work with Busiku and do her physical therapy and just read books with her every day under the veranda, which is just this big covered front porch underneath the sun. It was just pretty, pretty amazing. And I just learned so much from, from her. She was older. She just turned 13 actually about a month ago, but she has severe cerebral palsy. But I just learned so much about trust and faith from her as well as the aunties. But I just treasure that relationship and that friendship we had for a a short time and the small role that I played in that, just primarily learning from her and just all the people there at the Havens. But it's a pretty magical place, um, honestly, but um, pretty cool to go and just see kingdom work being done. And then we also had days where we didn't have any classes. And so if we wanted to, we could go to the local clinic, which I think actually was just upgraded officially to hospital while we were there. Mm -hmm. And so that was really cool for me personally, who is social work, who has really nothing to do with the medical field. But I got to shadow doctors and I got to watch operations and I got to see a live birth and see a c-section and and all of these things that are very like medical I guess but are also just incredibly spiritual and just a part of life and so I the whole time was just in awe that I got to experience that because that's probably the closest form of interaction to the healthcare field that I will have maybe who knows but and Elijah spent a lot more time there Yes, I spent um, just about as much time as I could at the at the hospital and just really fell in love with it and fell in love with the doctors and clinical officers and nurses and just how welcoming welcoming they were and eager to teach us, which was just such a blessing. But we'd spend time there Tuesdays and Thursdays in the morning for about four and a half to five hours each time. And they also had just opened up and operating room this summer so we got to see good deal surgeries I got really close to one of the doctors there named Dr. Chanda and he was just 
so encouraging to me and let me see some things that were just pretty incredible that people <laughs> at our age are just not, you know, right. able to see and even help with and, and be hands-on. But it was, it was pretty amazing because it really solidified for me that I want to work in the medical field and that I want to go to um, medical school and maybe potentially in the future even travel to places like that and continue to learn and, and maybe teach because I'll actually have some skill at that <laughs> point. But I probably got to see around 25 surgeries, get to see a couple, a few C-sections, get to even help with a natural birth, which was pretty amazing. And the women there are just so incredibly strong. Like, I just can't stress it enough. In Zambian culture, it's a sign of weakness to make any form of noise while you're delivering. And so the women are completely silent. And it's just amazing and just how strong mm. they are and they could have been walking for miles to get there that day um, there's also a women's shelter there so if they do live more than I think it was like 10 kilometers away then they could stay at the women's shelter but otherwise they're walking there and then after they deliver their baby if if everyone's healthy they have an hour there and they're expected to walk home mm -hmm. which is just just so different it's yeah. just different it was yeah. very eye-opening but also just spoke a lot to the strength of the people mm -hmm. there. And it's just a way of life. It's just the way that they live. And it was just very eye-opening. But it was so great to be able to spend so much time there just learning from just some very, very hardworking people. Mm -hmm. Because they are definitely short-staffed, but the job gets done. And people step up and people step in wherever they're needed. But... Yeah, it was just so, so cool mm -hmm. to be able to learn um, from just such, such incredible people mm -hmm. and so willing just to um, get you involved mm -hmm. as well, which was, which was so cool. And then like we would have random stuff come up and so we'd like maybe cancel classes or move classes or whatever, just trying to take advantage of opportunities. So there was one day that Living Water came and we got to go out to a well site with them and then... Every Thursday, this man named Bob Rogers would come and would take whoever wanted to go to the women's shelter that Elijah was talking about. And so we'd just get to um, have worship with the women there and get to sing with them and dance with them and learn about their lives. So lots of different random things that came up. And we also went on, you know, safari and we did all the fun stuff too and traveled and all that. It sounds like one of the things that you were exposed to while you were there is is the idea that something like social work or medicine or caring for children is part of the mission of God. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little more into, into that? Mm -hmm. We learned a lot, particularly in Rwanda, from a missionary there named Matt Miller, just about the kingdom of God and what that looks like when it returns to earth and when the earth is restored to what it should be and when you know eden is brought back to earth and so i just see now we are kingdom builders and we are part of bringing the lord's kingdom wherever we are and so that makes that makes everything the mission field you know that makes for sure social work and for sure being a doctor 
part of bringing the kingdom wherever we are. But it also makes, you know, being a stay-at-home mom part of that mission and part of bringing God's kingdom here. So that's what I would say. For sure. And I think a big thing that I learned, too, is just how to better love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I think it what's really helped me is surrounding myself with people who are different from me and just being able to accept the beauty and, and different perspectives and culture and backgrounds that everyone, that everyone holds. And then how does your skill or gift fit into that? I think, because I think loving the people around you comes first. And I think we can all be, missionaries in a sense too. I don't think we're necessarily called to just go and be a missionary somewhere and save lives per se or whatever, but it's just about loving your neighbor and and loving the people around you and how can you be the hands and feet Mm -hmm. of Jesus to the person sitting next to you, the person walking by. And you don't have to go to Zambia to find that. That's yeah. that's all around you here at home and everything. And I think, I don't know, I just feel like using potentially medicine in, in the future is a way that I can love my neighbor because Jesus, you know, tells us to give the cold cup of water to the one that is thirsty, to give a warm meal to the one who is hungry and to meet those needs first. And also, I'm not saying that Zambia is just a place or Africa in general is just a place of hungry thirsty people it's 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 really not and yes there are areas of poverty and yes there's hungry and thirsty people there but that's not the overarching theme that we saw we saw a culture of such strong people who yes were different from us but who were so welcoming and hospitable and relationship oriented and loving and just loved their neighbors so so well because our culture is full of people who are hungry and and living in poverty but i feel like africa just has this picture painted of it that there's famine and and poverty and malnourished children and and yes there are aspects of that there but that's all around the world and it was just so cool to be able to go there and then bring back so much that we learned with us to try and paint maybe a little bit different of a picture about Africa because that picture is already painted and that's what people see on TV and that's what they see in movies and that's what we're taught by a lot of people. But it's so, so much more than that, than weakness per se, because every culture and every place has its own weaknesses and its own downfalls, but but it's just such a place of strong, willing people who serve the Lord so diligently um, through their work and their lives and their love. And so I think that was probably the most Mm -hmm. eye-opening thing to me was just learning how to better love my neighbor. And I learned that primarily from them because they're doing it day to day Whereas maybe sometimes I just completely overlook it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. And I think too, like our experience in Zambia was one of beauty and one of joy and excitement For and sure. laughter. And um, so that's the story that we want to tell because that's, that's what we experienced. 
And I also think, you know, sometimes I think it's easier to see the good and see the beauty when, when I was over there at least because everything's new and everything's exciting and everything's so different and people are stopping you and greeting you on the road and neighbors are always over and like that's the kind of culture and so it's very easy to see like the Lord in the mundane because the mundane is like crazy cool because you're in (laughs) Zambia and so something I've struggled with coming back is well this isn't crazy cool to me anymore and this isn't different like this is just my life and so how do I how do I find ways to see beauty and good and excitement and in my what now seems like a very boring life you know and how how do I now take what I've learned and really try and and be yeah be the hands and feet of Jesus at Harding or at Arctic Creek or at the grocery store um it just looks a little different now than it did over there yeah so where are some spaces where you are finding the sacred and the mundane here that's hard I think a lot for me has changed in the way I do relationships, hopefully, and the way that I see time, which was just a huge sort of shock, I guess, when we were over there. Just like, Zambians don't care about time. They don't care about a schedule and, and being on time or being late and or how long stuff goes. You know, church would last hours. And... Or also wouldn't even start yes. four hours. Yes, like, yeah. We'd get there and have to wait a while. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, just even, like, the pace of life, like, you are forced to walk everywhere. So, obviously, like, that's going to slow you down. And so we got to, like, live in that and experience that without even realizing what was happening, I think. And then coming back here being like, oh, like, it is almost uncontrollable like this pace like as much as I want to stop and slow everything down you just almost can't Mm -hmm. when you're here Um, and so that's been helpful or not helpful but something that I'm trying to be more aware of is am I governed by my schedule and how can I find ways to not be like looking towards the next thing or like waiting to get away from this person but like what does it look like to really stop and to really listen to someone and not just like think about what I'm going to say next. Yes, I totally agree and have always kind of struggled with the same thing. It's just so easy to fall in this pattern and this schedule and this routine that we have um, of day-to-day life and maybe not even see the person that's right next to us that's or that's even walking alongside us, but we're so focused on this next task, meaning this next deadline, putting in this next report, getting this next grade or whatever it may be. But yeah, just really slowing down and seeing the person that is with you because overall that's what matters the most. We'd be walking to maybe somewhere like the Havens or somewhere well in Zambia and you'd pass somebody and maybe you just even met them once or maybe you haven't even met them, but you could stop and be talking with them for 30 minutes mm-hmm. or, or, or even longer, or maybe it's not that long, but it's always a meaningful conversation and greetings are so important mm-hmm. there too. Um, and it's not just like, Hey, and then hi. And then you keep walking. It's uh, hi, how are you? How's your day? How's your family? Which is just so much more meaningful. So 
I think I've been trying to now come back and focus on the person that I'm with more. Even if I'm just walking by someone and maybe I don't know them too well, but actually trying to stop for a second and ask, how are you doing? Like, how are you actually doing? Because I think it's just more of a cultural symbol for us just to say, hi, like, okay, we said hi, like, we're fine. We can just keep going on and going at the tasks that we're doing, but actually just trying to slow down and say to this person by saying, how are you? And by actually engaging in com meaningful conversation with him that you are more important than what I'm doing right now, mm. than, that, than what I'm just trying to um, get done to meet this certain deadline and to get on to the next thing. But the person that I'm with now is more important than that, which is something that, something huge that I really took away from Zambia. But to them, it's not huge. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just every day. Mm -hmm. It's just life. But for me, it's eye-opening and worldview changing, honestly, just coming back and trying to live that out. But it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard just because our cultures are just so different. So you both have touched on this in a number of different ways in talking about some of the things that you're carrying with you. And I would imagine you can't leave an experience like three months in Zambia without being changed by it in For some sure. pretty drastic ways. So. Um, what are some ways that you think you have been changed by this experience? One big thing for me, we learned a lot about how to tell people's stories and how wrong, how bad at that we have been in the past, you know, as Americans and also just as um, white people. And mm. will you say more about that? Please? Yes, like, yes. We just... There's a lot, especially when it comes to media, of the way that we, me personally in the past, have sort of portrayed people um, or cultural experiences using people, using pictures of kids that you don't know, that I, I didn't know their names and I didn't spend time with them. And so thinking about what was my motivation behind, you know, posting this picture of me with all these Mexican kids or, you know, and so a lot of humbling on my part of realizing the ways that I have messed up or not thought enough about the people that I was with. And so that has changed a lot in the way I see other portrayals um, when it comes to media. Kind of what Elijah was talking about, there's just a thread, there's a lot of stories out there of ways, or there's a lot of ways that people have used um, you know, pictures of little black babies who are crying or naked or snotty when really every baby is naked and cries. And, you know, so yeah. it's all about... Like, but all of a sudden they become yes, malnourished. Yes, or, you know, right. It's, so it's... And it's our responsibility as someone who's older than this baby, who this baby can't tell their own story. And so it's our job, you know, to put clothes on that baby and to calm them down. And then that's who they are. Like, it's just just who they are. So that's something that has changed a lot for me and being able to see different, you know, ads or campaigns or whatever and saying like, well, okay, tell me their names or tell me their stories. Like, do you know what's really going on there? Or like, what is the motivation behind why you're like using people or using mm -hmm. um, pictures? 
Yeah. It seems like something you both have mentioned over and over mm-hmm. is is this idea of not only being the hands and feet of Jesus, but also having been the recipient of people yeah. in yes. Zambia that were yeah. the hands and feet of Jesus yes. to For you. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, we just we learned a, a lot about this kind of white savior complex mm-hmm. that has been formed throughout just it seems like history, you know. Yes. But it's it's like the pictures that are taken of the white person just surrounded mm-hmm. by African children. Which was us or which was yeah. us like the yeah. first couple of days before sure. we had learned that. And so learning how to repent and, and mm-hmm. realize what we did wrong and try and change yeah. that. Yeah, we just we don't want to put ourselves in a position where it looks like we are just coming here and meeting people's needs and turning people to Christ and saving lives and because changing we hearts. No, no, we all. were students. I mean, I feel like I was the one whose heart was changed and I was the one who was pointed more towards Jesus than ever before by by Zambians around me. And we just learned how to be careful when you're because a, a picture can be taken and can paint a completely different story than what is actually happening and what is actually taking place there. And I, But I also understand media being used um, in certain ways, because uh, especially in Western civilization, for like funding and that kind of stuff too. Like um, Because the mission that we were on, pretty much completely Zambian run, but does receive a lot of funding from American churches and a lot of the work there would not be possible without that but that money where it goes and how it's used and the ministering that's being done there and the life that's being lived and the lives that are being changed that work is done by Zambians Mm -hmm. and um, so I understand you know that there are needs and and pictures can be used to to show those needs but I feel like a lot of the time they're just exploited to make us look better mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think it is kind of a weird line whether or not to decide, you know, maybe this picture is okay, maybe this picture is not. Yeah. So, Audra... You mentioned earlier about learning more about the kingdom of God and our role as Christians and participating in that in the here and now. So how do you see the connection between the new heavens and the new earth and the kingdom of God and what you were saying about sharing stories? Mm-hmm. So one of my friends who went to Zambia with us, we were talking the other day, and I think kind of figured out why you know, missing Zambia, missing that place hurts so much. Like, I feel it in, like, deep in my gut, this, like, longing to go back there to that way of life. And I think why that is is because it's a longing for, you know, we got to experience what I would say is the closest to, I think, the Garden of Eden Eden, um, that I've gotten to experience, not saying that Zambia was perfect or that there weren't still people hurting there but um, I think the pace of life there is a pace that is close to Jesus's pace and so when I miss you know that place or that experience I think it is this longing for the day when king the kingdom is returned and when we do get to live in that 
space of joy and of celebration. Um, and so I think there's this longing for something more. And so that's kind of what we got to experience was something very beautiful um, and a part of heaven. And so then I think also there was this realization while I was there of just how beautiful and big his creation is and his people are all a part of that creation. And so now being able to see people, you know, being able to see the grocer at, at Walmart as part of his creation and as the image of God and part of his glory. And so every interaction we have should be one that is hopefully, um, you know, pointing towards the kingdom. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like, but just trying to be conscious and walk in that way um, and seeing people as people and as his creation and as beautiful, whether or not they're Christian or whether or not we know them, but as seeing everyone as part of his story and his kingdom. Do y'all have any stories that you want to share about Zambia that were some of your favorite times, just mm. fun, exciting things that you did? Hmm. So many, so many things happened. Uh, maybe, maybe a reoccurring thing for me was every Sunday we would go to a village church and we would travel with a choir called the Basic Choir, which was from a local church, and they were all a, probably about between 13 and 16 um, years of age and it was a bunch of guys and girls and we'd all go to church together and then we'd help out with the service so I, I led singing every Sunday in Chitango which was really cool and then someone would preach and someone would lead um, uh, communion and prayer and then after we would there would have be a time for choir singing and so First, the basic choir would go up and they would sing their songs by themselves, and they were just fantastic. Like, they were so, so good, and the songs were so cool. And then we'd go up and sing our songs, and they were less great and less cool, but it was still a lot of fun. And then we'd both um, go up there together in front of the church, and we'd all sing together, and we'd put our arms around each other, and we'd dance together, and it was just such a beautiful time just to sing in a language that we didn't even really understand with people halfway around the world. And it was just like these cultures and people colliding. And it was just so beautiful that we were there to worship God. And it was also just so much fun mm -hmm. just getting to sing with them. And then also we just getting to travel with them, like the bus rides with them, we'd sing the entire way. <laughs> and it was so cool. And they taught us so many songs and um, dance moves and jokes and just about their way of life and it was just so cool to get their perspective mm -hmm. because they're I think they're also coming up in a new generation in Zambia which is changing and um, the culture is changing just just how our culture is changing so it was interesting to see their perspective on life compared to the people we would go and learn from in more rural communities who were who were um, older than them. So mm -hmm. it was just really cool to spend a lot of time with them, and they became some of our best friends, and I uh, just really, really enjoyed getting to worship so much with yeah. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many just, like, random stories of, like, things that would happen, or, like, there was one Sunday that we showed up 
to church and there's a little boy with a monkey just like holding <laughs> a monkey in church yeah. and so that's fun you know and exciting and and we saw elephants on the side of the road like wow. pretty much as soon as we got there and yeah. got in our bus which is just very funny but I one of my favorite things that I got to do a couple t- I think three times was go spend a night at the Havens um mm-hmm. so they have like a night shift mm-hmm. of aunties who come and stay the whole night and so they are also working very hard you know making sure babies are you know constantly like waking up and putting babies back to sleep and changing diapers and throughout the night it's like being a mom but for like 10 or 15 kids and so we got to go spend a night with them and just see what they did and help them out and being you know awakened by crying babies and getting to scrub the floors and you know they scrub every single inch of that place every night and but then also there's the moment you know where everyone's quiet all the babies are asleep for at least a little bit and it's really late at night and you're sitting in the middle of this hallway with all with these women and we just got to I mean worship together in their language and then they would ask us to sing songs in English and then asking about traditions or how our wedding's done or just those very small intimate moments that you just get to share life with women who are just so incredibly different from you. And then just getting, obviously, to go pick up babies and let them sleep on you for a couple (laughs) hours and, um, yeah, yeah, just beautiful moments. Talk about heaven on earth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so a couple of final questions for each of you. How, how did you see God differently in Zambia and since Zambia? What have you learned about God through that experience? One big thing that I really have taken away is the way I see Jesus and, and the way I picture him. Um, because I, I, I think I've always just kind of pictured him with like this ray of light around him, you know, just the perfect being. And he is. But now when I think of Jesus, I think of the beggar on the street or the homeless child that's living on the street and coming and getting the scraps of food off of your plate when you don't finish your meal or the farmer or the rich businessman. Like he's he's in everyone around us and we just have to recognize that and see people for their differences and see people for who they are and the unique being that they are and the different perspectives and behaviors and culture that they've been brought up in but the same Jesus that lives in me lives in them and so seeing them for who they are and loving them for who they are despite um, maybe even drastic differences between the two I think is one big thing that I've taken away is just the way I see Jesus, I guess. Mm -hmm. I kind of mentioned earlier just the ways that I got to see, you know, just how big our world is and just that we're most definitely not the center of it. And Mm -hmm. his creation, just like in the people and the babies and the eyes of these kids, like that is Jesus. And, 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 you know, the stars because there's no you know times where there's no power and so it's just like the grand scale of his creation but also like 
holding hands with his creation. So that was a huge sort of shift in the way that I saw like what God has made both in people and in nature. And then also, again, in Rwanda, we talked a lot about how if you look at the narrative of the Bible, there's this thread of God just wanting to be with his people. And like time and time again, like he is just trying to draw himself closer to us. Um, And so I think that was very life changing for me. Like we have this God of all this creation, but he is like doing everything in his power to like draw us closer and nearer to him. So yeah, I would definitely say that the people there have such strong faith and, and are very trust, trusting in the Mm -hmm. Lord because his hand is outstretched and he's willing to lead us. And if there's a thousand steps between us and him, he'll take 999 of those, but it's up to us to take that one to grab his hand and let him lead us. And we just, I just met so many Zambians who are holding his hand and, mm-hmm. and letting him lead them and just how vulnerable and intimate they get with um, sharing their faith. And when we got to go and stay out in the village visit, I stayed with a man named Bob Patrick and his family. And it was just such an amazing experience getting to live life with him for a couple of days. But every night before we went to bed, the neighbors and surrounding families, we would all come together and read scripture and um, worship and sing songs. And they do that every single night before they go to bed. And they're just so intentional with their time and intentional with it by being with people and with the ones around them. And serving the people around them and just just living a life of worship for the, for the Lord. And what would you say is the biggest thing that you learned about yourself through this experience? Mm. Probably in the grand scheme of things, I'm not all that important or I'm not <laughs> as important as I think I am. Um, because I don't know, I, I feel like especially kind of thinking about the white savior complex too and going into communities like that, like people are are just living their life. And who am I to come in and say my life is better mm-hmm. and to try and change the way someone does something. But also important in a sense when it comes to God's work, like kingdom work's gonna be done no matter what. It's it's whether or not I say yes or send me or take this opportunity or that to be a part of that that it's but the work's not up to me like it's it's going to get done god's Mm. god's will is going to be carried out but i have the choice whether or not to be a part of that so yeah just kind of realizing my my place in all of that but i think just being able to say it's not about me but it's just about loving the people around me and and saying yes to the spirit as much as possible yeah mm-hmm. i love that that invitation into something bigger mm-hmm. than yourself yeah, yeah for sure yeah. and i think kind of going along with that uh something that was definitely revealed to me is like my own weakness um which is just really cool to be humbled by that <laughs> but you know getting like staying with these girls that are half my size that are so good at pumping water and like it is hard and I'm so bad at it 
or even just like just the aunties and the strength that they have like in what they go through but also the way that they like sit even just like emanate strength like they sit with their feet out in front of them and their back straight up for hours and hours and like that's painful. I can't really do that for very long. Or, like, washing clothes over, like, in a bathtub with your legs straight. Like, like they are just so strong. And so um, just realizing my own weakness, but also in that, like, getting to let them take care of me. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to kill and prepare a chicken, but, like, but Bina Bumbo did. And she got to serve me in that way and got to, like, feed me. So that was a really cool, I think, realization for me. It's just really how how weak I am, but how cool it is that I got to live with these very strong people and women. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for letting us um, have a glimpse into your life for the last three months in Zambia and the ways that that changed you and what that taught you about the world and yourself and God. So thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. kapati, which means thank you very much in Chitanga. Well, we will see you all next time. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church. You can find out more at ottercreek.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Otter Creek Church. 